Things Green. I'm Anton, here with our special guest, John McGovern, to talk about an important branch of sustainability, transportation. John, how are you doing today? Anton, I'm feeling great. I'm yeah. so glad you invited me here. Yes. I had a really nice ride over here. Same. It's a beautiful part of the city to be in. Yes. You know, it's very bikeable, very uh, pedestrian friendly. So yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm yeah. just enjoying life right now. Feeling good. That's awesome. Thanks I'm for feeling... having me today. Oh, really it's my pleasure. It. Well, John, tell, tell the viewers a little bit about yourself. What, what kind of field are you in? What kind of boards are you on here in the city of Cleveland? Sure. I'm a teacher. I'm a public school teacher. I teach at a school downtown. Um, but previously, I've, I've served on quite a few boards for quite a length of time. I was on the Bike Cleveland board, actually one of the founding board members there. Um, then uh, the Ohio City Bicycle Co-op was on their board awesome. for about, and they, they're kind of a different sect of the, of, the, of the cycling sort of arena, if you will. Yeah. And then also on the public transit side, I worked with RTA. They have a citizens advisory board, which not every transit agency does. So kudos yeah. to our transit agency for thinking of the people a little bit more. That's amazing. You're a real so, pioneer in the field, it sounds like. Well, I wouldn't um, go that far. But, yeah. <laughs> I know that you are also a founding board member of Bike Cleveland. That's right. I would love to get in the first segment so that you can tell us more about that. I'd, lo I'd love the opportunity yeah. to do that. So thank you for again for the opportunity. Would yeah. you like me to just kind of get into it? Yeah, so Bike Cleveland, it's a fully functioning nonprofit here in the city. That's right. Um, it receives federal funding, but at first it started off as like a ad hoc citizens group. Can you tell me how it kind of went from rags to riches? I think if we're, let's take a look at the big picture, if you will. This yeah. will just give let's me a little extra time. Right? Yeah. Let's kind of say we'll go way back in Cleveland to All sort right. of like the 1800s when the city was just kind wow. of early part, middle part of the Industrial Revolution. Okay. And what people don't know about Cleveland is then most people got around by these things called streetcars. Okay. Right? So a streetcar, if you think of it, is like a bus on wheels, very low to the ground, very easy on and off. Yeah. And that's really how most people between the years of like 1850, I think, all the way up until about 1950, mm -hmm. 100 years of our city's past was focused really on getting around on two wheels, but also just walking everywhere, hopping on and off these streetcars. So we have this kind of dense urban mentality in our genes. It's kind of the way yeah. I think about Cleveland. Could you get to the, anywhere in the city through these streetcars? I mean, was that a pretty I robust was, network? I think it was, as I understand it, it was one of the larger networks in kind of the mid-sized cities. Remember, Cleveland wow. was one of the largest cities in the world, but we were called the sixth city for a while. Mm. Um, the sixth largest city in, in America. So we kind of rode that wave, in my opinion, and we had a very robust network, easy on, easy off, but it covered not just the city of Cleveland, but several of the first ring suburbs as well. So places oh, like no Parma kidding. or Euclid or Cleveland Heights, yeah. uh, Lakewood, all these different, I think there's 17 first ring suburbs. Yeah, so in that 1950s era, what kind of happened? Where did the streetcars go? What happened to so the dense transportation? This might network? be another episode for you guys. This okay. you know, is this idea well, give of summary. where did all these streetcars go? There's a, there's a lot of theories out there, and the most prevalent one that I'm aware of is that the bus companies who were owned by the um, car manufacturers, GM being a big one, mm. bought out the streetcar companies because they were all private operators. This wasn't mm. like a uh, advisory, there wasn't like some kind of a conglomerate or city agency yeah. that controlled transportation. It wasn't it was like just, the RTA, it was no, a bunch of different separate Very private different companies. idea. Private yeah. companies competing against each other but working together for kind of yeah. the common good of easy transportation. Okay. So how does this relate back to Bike Cleveland? Sure, I think it's the point is that inside of us as a city, our identity kind of lies in this idea of easy, easy transportation around our city, mm. that we don't need to have cars. So that yeah. it's almost like the way our city was designed and set up, we had a lot of these broad avenues and streets that the streetcar ran down the middle of. 
Now what's happened is that middle space has been commandeered by cars. So you oh, kind of wonder see. why are our streets, some of our streets so wide? And that's part of the reason, or a big part of the reason, is they used to have streetcars on them. So now it's like I think the people see this opportunity for yeah. how we can reignite this idea of getting around without having to use the indiv very hyper-individualized idea of a personal automobile. And so one of those ways that's like super DIY, because I think people are really into what can they do themselves, is the bicycle, the humble bicycle. Yeah, I love right? that. And so the, the organization, I think, there was always a need. There was, there was, it was, a, there was calling out, and it, go, it goes back even farther, I think. It goes back into the 90s. There was a yeah. group at the time called Cleveland Bikes, okay. and now it's called Bike Cleveland. Mm. And that wasn't an accident. There, there were some of the same minds that were, that were part of creating both... Um, organizations were part of the transition from kind of this very, I would call almost nebulous group of different different nonprofits that were kind of interested in the idea of having a presence, a voice yes. for cycling and cyclists kind of came together over time. Probably it was about a three-year period, like right around 2009, yeah. 10 was when the interest really started to manifest and become something. I think it was 2012 was the first year of the organization. Yeah. So and it's they kind just of, celebrated their tenure. And it's kind of implied, I think, to our viewers, biking, biking is a lot more sustainable than uh, riding a gas-guzzling car, even in a, even more sustainable than an electric car, right, and well, much just, safer to uh, community to be on your bicycle taking public transit or walking than to be riding around in a dangerous uh, car. And it's also much more community-centered. That's mm -hmm. where I think a place that was created where if you think about a modality like a streetcar, you're mm -hmm. hopping on and off this line, right? Yeah. And it's much more chance meeting based, right? Where you're gonna mm -hmm. run into people that you normally don't associate with. And that's, I think, the heart of community building mm -hmm. and really what a lot of sustainability kind of is about is this kind of community-centered approach. Yeah, people is, coming together and uh, working on issues in their own neighborhoods. And I mean, talking about communities, have you seen other cities, maybe in the Rust Belt or around the world, that have done something similar to what has happened here in Cleveland? In the early years, we did a good bit of traveling, you know, to, mm. to kind of see what other cities were doing. So Pittsburgh has a really robust, I think it's called Bike PGH. They have a, a very robust presence in the city, huge membership, I think exceeding 10 or 15,000 people. Um, Detroit has a kind of a different approach from my understanding. They're more focused on kind of the greenways, right, which would be more the path approach. So they have some really great connections via paths, and they have a lot of advocates for this because paths connect, just like we have our metro park paths. Yeah. But if you think about more city connections, we're, we're kind of mm -hmm. missing out on some of those city path connections. We're starting to see some now. But every bike group that I've seen around the Midwest has a slightly different focus, mm. right? So they're all focused on kind of advocating for the cyclist, um, for the policies that would help bring more people or more more cyclists to um, actually using the bicycle for transportation. Everyone's got a little bit of a different focus, but the focus, I guess, in terms of what they're trying to do is the same. Yeah, and every, every community is going to have different needs, right? So that's kind of why there's maybe a different focus in different cities. That's a good read. Yeah. Yeah, that... that and but go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, um, before we hop into our next segment, what is uh, what would you tell people about getting involved, maybe starting their own ad hoc citizens group that can help support and give a voice to cyclists? I and think it's as, it's as simple. There's a global event called Critical Mass, and yeah. it happens the last Friday of the month in uh, 300 cities around the world. Like wow. If you want to just go meet some other people who share your passion for cycling, yeah. that's an easy way to do it. Just find go to Critical Mass, 
Google it or how, whatever search engine. I prefer okay. Ecosia for my searching, but you do whatever <laughs> you like. Search however you want and search for critical mass, and it's just a great way to go meet other cyclists and go on a long bike ride, very easy bike ride, in your community. Yeah, we'll definitely plug uh, critical mass in the show notes. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. I, but I wanted to get into our next segment, which is something that's also close to home. For sure. But I think scalable, sure. that we could see parallels in other communities. So... Let me summarize three articles for you, John, and some of these you might know about as a fellow Clevelander. Uh, the first article I wanted to bring up mm-hmm. was something that happened very recently. There was a, a few signs that were posted around the city of Cleveland that says, slow the F down. Yes, I saw that on a lot of social media feeds. Yeah. I'm familiar with that one. Yep. And uh, that was basically because a five-year-old was hit in somebody's neighborhood um, these cars are going too fast. Maybe they're distracted drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this traffic violence often causes death or you know, major injury to people who are pedestrians or cyclists or even other drivers. Um, For sure. And we see, we see other forms of communities coming together and installing traffic calming measures. Uh, for instance, uh, there was a bike lane installed actually on the Detroit Bridge here in Cleveland. That's right. That's uh, right. That was another community project. It wasn't really okayed by the c- the city or given a permit. The the more the better. The, the more the better. The more the better for sure. And then yeah. last the last article was a uh, speed table or a speed bump being mm-hmm. involved. Uh, being installed in somebody's neighborhood to yep. try and uh, prevent drivers from just speeding down. I think a what, what we're street. seeing is people are frustrated, right? Yeah, people are frustrated, but they don't know how to act. And yeah. maybe the bureaucracy that might be our government is mm. behind, right? Because we know bureaucracies don't move fast. So yeah. if we're to move fast, we got to do things ourselves. Yeah. And I think one thing maybe that like the YouTube generation is, is, is very good at is the idea of like doing it yourself, like anybody mm. can do it. So this idea of you can apply some of these solutions on your own and you don't have to wait for, for the city to um, sort of help you or, or push the project along because probably what they're going to do is, is remove it. In the yeah. end. So, so people are fed up, they're frustrated and they're looking for a way to do something for themselves. To protect their, their own communities. Because it's a known fact. There are a lot of distracted drivers, I think, as drivers. Um, I do sometimes drive a car. We don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. You know? But if you think of what car interiors have become, the most prevalent thing in a car interior now is a giant screen. Yeah. I mean, Tesla Pioneer, it's like a 16-inch screen. I know. Why, why do you need that? Mm. What, what purpose points. is that serving? Yeah. And I, I just wanted to add, some people would maybe disagree with, with you and I about, you know, we shouldn't be taking these drastic measures, you know, installing infrastructure to help our communities. I am personally of the opinion that we should be doing everything we can to protect our neighborhoods, whether it's with city permission or not. Uh, but the way that these people are referenced in the articles, they're, they're nicknamed guerrilla urbanists. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that gives such a, a bad connotation. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about my parents, maybe, who live in mm-hmm. outer ring suburbs. Okay. And they might hear Is guerrilla it the gorilla urbanists. Part? What's that? Is it the gorilla the, part or the urbanist part? I think both, honestly. Okay. Like, uh-huh. just it just feels like it gives off this negative connotation. I'm curious what your thoughts are about that, John. Well, it makes me the first thing I go to is another community kind of based idea is community gardens, right? So this idea that there's a grass lot that's not being maintained and maybe there's a higher use for that. So I'm gonna be a gorilla gardener, right? Mm. And I'm gonna go plant a bunch of. Maybe they're perennials, maybe they're mm. um, different vegetables and herbs, but I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna make higher use of this because no one seems to care about it. Yeah. And I think that translates into this idea of driving is no one really cares that everyone's going so fast and not really paying attention. So what can I do? Because 
honestly, when I ride my bike, sometimes I feel like I am risking my life. Yeah. Like, and, and does that, like, how, how are we encouraging younger people or even older people to get out and ride their bike? Well, we have yeah. to make it safer, but we're not, the city's moving very slowly, even with this incredible advocacy organization that we have yeah. in Bike Cleveland, even with that push, and like you said, some level of federal funding, we're still not moving as fast by yeah. any means as even some of our Midwest neighbors like Minneapolis or yeah. Chicago. You know, not to mention the coasts, which are way ahead of us, or yeah. Europe, which is like light years yeah. ahead, right? So it's, I think people are fed up. Yeah. John, I'm, this is a little bit off the cuff, but I was kind of curious. If you were to name one policy that you could see implemented in Cleveland, Ohio, um, if you could just wave your magic wand and have mm -hmm. that policy implemented, what would you change about uh, the way we do transportation? I think if we could do intersection calming would be a really easy thing where we could just have much wider bump outs where people cross the street, where they're very vulnerable because now you're crossing from the sidewalk where you're presumed to be safe through the street, and so they just basically, you can do it with plants, which would be a beautiful gesture, where you're pushing out the curb so you've got more protection as a pedestrian, and you shorten the distance you have to cross, and mm -hmm. you slow cars because they now have to pass through a much narrower area. Yeah. So people would call this an inconvenience, but I'd say we're all driving too fast. Cars have gotten bigger. That means they've gotten more dangerous, right? Yeah. They're still moving at the same speeds. We haven't lowered speeds and made cars bigger. We've made cars bigger and kept speeds the same, or in the case of highways, gone even faster. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think that's like intersection calming that helps pedestrians, helps the elderly, helps young kids that are going to school, and also is, is slowing down drivers. It's, it's super DIY. Yeah. And people could take ownership of those areas and plant flowers or just just have you know it could be something as simple as concrete or wood you know? yeah but. I think that's amazing if I were to if I were to wave my magic wand <laughs> uh -huh. um, I think about all of, all of our um, east to west connectors in Cleveland mm -hmm. and how a lot of these are maybe have bike lanes on these streets but they're not protected bike lanes mm -hmm. what I would love is to see something maybe similar to like Detroit um, where they have protected bike lanes by the cars, uh, the parking yep. lane. But uh, Detroit, like that was almost a DIY approach. Yeah. Because the, all they did is move out the parking lane from being right on the curb to being like seven feet off the curb. Yeah, right? that's, that's such an easy and fix, it sounds bike like. Bike Cleveland does have a plan for something like that. It's called okay. the Midway. So check yes. out the Midway for Bike Cleveland because it yes. actually repurposes the old streetcar right-of-way for bicycling. That's amazing. And, and it's totally protected and surrounded by greenery and trees. So it's a beautiful gesture, I think, to cyclists and the city. And I think to um, quell any concerns about, oh, this is going to narrow streets too much, City of Cleveland has some of the widest lanes, like virtually, in the world. And so <laughs> uh -huh. that's something Detroit and Cleveland share. We're yeah. both kind of like, we're Motor City Mini. Yeah. They're Motor City and we're Motor City Junior. If we were to, if we were to uh, narrow lanes, even just by a few feet to add in that parking lane and have protected biking sure. to the right. You don't lose anything. You right? don't lose right. anything. And actually, drivers are going to drive more safe on narrow lanes because if you're on in like an 11-foot lane, you might be on your phone, you might be driving all crazy because you, you actually, have so much space between you and the other cars, right? You actually have to pay attention when you're driving. Right, exactly. Right? If, you look at, if you look at most drivers, my kids and I do this sometimes on the way to work. And if we're driving to work that day, we'll look in the other cars and watch who's using their phone. And yeah. I'd say it's about one in five drivers that wow. we see is on their phone in some capacity. You know, so it's like, yikes. Like, what, what, yeah. what message are we sending here? So yeah. We, yeah. We, we, there's work to be done. There's work to be and done. you and I could do some of it. 
And I think yeah. I think we're, we're trying right now, and um, hopefully we can do more things um, with Bike Cleveland in the future. So I definitely encourage people to check out their own local ad hoc groups. And there's, um, there's lots of them. I think you just type in Bicycle Advocacy, your city, or like I said, go to a critical mass event if, if there's yeah. one in your city, and you'll meet people. And that's, I yeah. think, be social about it. Make it fun. Make yeah. it, we, we all need more joy in our lives, and bicycles bring a lot of joy. Agreed. You know, they're fun. They're fun. You get the wind in your hair. You know, it's like you're, it's a feeling of freedom. You can sing your own song. You know, it's like it's just it's, it's beautiful. I what think. song did you sing on the way over here, John? Oh, one of the songs <laughs> I, I, I do love singing on my bike. It's I, I, There's um, Take It on the Run, Baby. Oh, that's a pretty but I good one. Take It on the Bike, Baby. Oh. You know, so, so sometimes you got to switch it up. But you got to just be that. careful of the connotations. Yeah, of course. Know, when you're singing. You know? Well, you know what? I wanted to get into our last segment. I want to end on a... Uh, policy-driven, uh, maybe positive note of how we can see more people getting on bikes. Of course. So I think, our, I think it's, it's a dream and it's, it's, it's a reality, right? Yes. That it's happening all over the world. More people are getting on bikes. Like that, that's yeah. a fact. But how do we do it here? How do we do it everywhere? Yeah. And so this, this article is about e-bikes. Uh, for people who don't really know about e-bikes, who haven't heard much about them, these are bikes that you can ride, you can pedal, but you also have a little bit of a pedal assist to make mm-hmm. accelerating faster, uh, to get you to your destination, maybe even a little bit quicker. It's or... a great use of an electric motor. Yeah. Unlike an electric car. Sorry, but yeah. yeah. I, think, I think an electric bike is really makes use of a lightweight or relatively lightweight battery and a small electric motor. Yeah. It's a great effect. Do you have a, do you own an e-bike? It's funny you say that because pre-pandemic, yeah. we invested in an e-bike. We had a car, we had a car at the time. We had two cars. One of them was coming off a lease, so we decided mm. not to renew the lease and to purchase an e-bike, which at the time was a startup company. Now it's they're pretty big called Rad Power. Oh they make a yeah, bike called a Rad Bike, and they make one that looks kind of like a moped, so it's like real sturdy, like you're riding this like hefty metal frame around. <laughs> yeah, which does make you feel a little more armored and, and kind of protected when you're when you're riding it. Um, but it is a heavy bike, but that weight really doesn't matter. That's the kind of the company's philosophy is the weight mm-hmm. really doesn't matter because you have the electric motor. Yeah. So you can pedal it. And what's nice about it for riding it to work is you don't get sweaty. Yeah. So that's one of the big complaints about, right? It's like <laughs> you ride to work, now i got to take a shower. Now i got to take a shower. But yeah. now with an e-bike, you can adjust how hard you pedal. So you don't have to get, if you don't want to get sweaty, you don't have to get sweaty. So you replaced you replaced one of your cars you went from a two two car household to a one car household with an e bike. Is that right? That's correct. We are now a one. We've been a one car household since two, the end of two thousand nineteen. So wow. coming up on four years now. And you think that many um, urbanists or people, maybe even first ring suburbs, could honestly? Uh, I, I think it's it's freeing. You'll use the bus a lot more. Yeah. You'll probably use some Ubers here and there. But yeah. um, you know, for the most part, I, I think it's it's a freeing. It feels more. It's you're more in touch with like your community, your neighbors. Uh, people around you, I, I think it's, and it just feels good, it's, you know, yeah. it, and it's, so it's, it really, it's like you become much more multimodal, mm. and I think, honestly, you're much more, you kind of feel the joy of life. So from a, from a pragmatic standpoint, do you see yourself spending less money on an e-bike than a car uh, per year? I can tell you that you'll spend less money on an e-bike. We, the e-bike was paid off in terms of our car payments yeah. in nine months, Wow. and then after that, you're basically just like we we have an Uber budget of a hundred dollars a month, and we never hit more than fifty yeah. bucks a month. Wow! So it's like you're you are cruising in the cash. Yeah, you're cruising in the cash once you get rid of the car. And even Especially even with maintenance, car. huh? 
There's the maintenance on we we do maintenance once a year with a local bike shop, mm-hmm. and that's less than a hundred bucks. What what bike shop do you want to plug we, in? Well, I like Blazing Saddles and I love Joy Machines. Yeah, I love okay. Them both they're both on Detroit. They're both kind of community centered bike shops. That's awesome. But I love them both. All right. And well, I think we're lucky to have them both. We'll so, add those in the show notes Joy for Machines, our fellow Blazing Saddles. Yeah, yeah, for our fellow Clevelanders. Uh, but what 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 could we do? What could the government really do? What could our elected officials do to put more people on bikes? I've thought a little bit about like an e-bike rebate program, like whether that's through Congress or maybe uh, the county could verify income and maybe give you like a little bit of a tax credit if you were to buy a, an e-bike. So any kind of incentive, because it is something that, you know, the, the data on e-bike says people that have an e-bike pedal five to ten times farther on an e-bike than they do on a regular bike. Mm. So that's where you get into some of that car replacement. A lot of them yeah. have cargo carrying capacity. So I think it's a, it's a real possibility to replace cars take more cars off the road so you know in that realm like the the rebate makes sense right because you're helping not only yourself but you're actually it's benefiting other car drivers by t- making their one of their more precious resources parking more available to to there's you're cr- increasing what is a scarce resource right yeah because you're less demand on parking facilities so i think there should be some kind of credit for purchasing one for certain whether it's at the local level or the federal level. Yeah, it's it's more fun to ride an e-bike than riding a car. Uh, it's going to free up parking, and it's going to make it easier to honestly park your own bike with bike parking. Sure, it's, and it's reducing the use of resources, precious resources, yeah. right? You're definitely lighter on the road. I mean, I don't think people know this, but the heavier your vehicle, the more damage you're doing to the road. I mean, there's a reason our wow. roads have to be repaved, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just this ma- magical forces destroying the roads. It's the vehicles on the roads. Trucks certainly are the heaviest, but cars are getting bigger and heavier too. Yeah. So they're doing a lot of damage to the roads. Um, so bikes, obviously, I think almost nothing, right? I mean, think about the Metro Parks path. How often do they repave those? Yeah. Like very rarely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I guess really the moral of the story of this episode is, you know, maybe get out, check out your local biking Ad hoc citizens groups or your critical mass rides. Sure, uh, go go have fun with it. Go have you know, fun. Be with social it. with it. It's yeah. a it's a jo- you're doing an act of joy, right? Yeah. How about this joy as an act of resistance, mm. right? That we we can come together, be joyful, but also be resisting some of the forces that we're fighting against. Which I would yeah. argue one of them might be convenience, but that maybe we can save that for another episode. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to have you back on the podcast. That would be uh, fantastic. It's been really fun today. Uh, thank you so much for discussing all things green, John. Uh, how about you let our viewers know how they can stay in touch with Bike Cleveland? Thanks so much for having me. Um, you, you can follow Bike Cleveland on Instagram at bike underscore CLE. And be sure to click the link in the bio if you'd like to join the bike movement and learn more about some of the cool Cleveland events that Bike Cleveland puts on. And if you like to stay connected to all things green, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at One Planet Media. That's O N E one. And if you like to rewatch full episodes, check out our YouTube channel, The All Things Green Show. You can find links to all of our sources from today's episode in our show notes. Thanks again for joining me today, John. Is there anybody else you'd like to plug before we head out? You know, there's one more group, or one more, it's a, it's a global movement, and it's called, they're called bicycle cooperatives, or yeah. bike co-ops. We have actually one of the biggest ones in, in the nation is here in Cleveland, it's called Ohio City Cycles. The bike co-op, it just empowers people to learn how to repair their, their own bike, and even, they take a lot of old bikes, and they repair them for resale, so you can buy bikes there, 
or you can learn to repair a bike there. It's a fantastic resource all over the world. That's amazing. Well, we will be back at the same time next week to bring you more news. Thank you so much for being a part of the global sustainability movement.